Hello besties, welcome back to Life Gets Weird, a podcast by me, Mary Stephen, the host of this podcast, who has been doing this for four years and still doesn't know how to introduce their podcast. Yes, that is me. Um, I didn't post last week because I did lose my voice, which is annoying. I went to my friend's graduation and throughout the night I literally heard my voice getting progressively deeper, which as someone who has like already a kind of deepish speaking voice, I'm very aware when my voice drops a few a few octaves. So I I could hear myself progressively getting deeper and deeper through the night. And then I woke up the next day with no voice. So yeah, didn't record last week. But here we are on the day after the Oscar nominations. And let me just start by saying, you people will never make me hate Barbie, okay? I am so dumbfounded. Is that the correct word? Potentially not. But I just can't believe that Margot Robbie wasn't nominated for Best Actress. And the discourse that's surrounding it is like, uh, the way discourse normally is online. I believe that Margot Robbie deserved an Oscar nomination, not just because Barbenheimer single-handedly saved cinemas last year, but also because I think she gave a phenomenal performance. Like, I said this as soon as we left the cinema. I was like, I know that she is going to get snubbed for this in some way or another, because... I just think that Margot Robbie is the real life Barbie, you know, like she is the girl who is just like, it's unreal that she's real, you know, she's gorgeous. She's, oh my God, she's just everything to everyone. And she really was the perfect Barbie. And I think my thought process at the time of watching was like, so many people are not going to be able to look past the fact that she looks like Barbie. And they're going to think that it was just like, she was just casted because she looks like Barbie. But like, let's actually look back on this and remember that Amy Schumer was once upon a time meant to be Barbie. And if you think that Amy Schumer was going to serve the way Margot did, then I don't know what films you've been watching, but um, I just like, I think she was amazing. And I think that she deserved the nomination for her acting alone. But also, you know, last year, the Oscars were clearly handing out honorary awards let's say um it's no secret how i feel about jamie lee curtis's win last year at the oscars i didn't think it was deserved for everything everywhere all at once um and i was i was quite sad yeah you know i i'm not one to prey on people's downfall but i was quite sad when she won because i just didn't think that she deserved to be nominated for that specific role um, and I felt that they were giving it to her as kind of like, thank you for all of the work that you've done, rather than we're giving it to you because you fucking nailed this role. And, you know, if that was the precedent that the Oscars are now setting, then even if you didn't think that Margot Robbie was that good as Barbie, where's her honorary nomination? Like, I'm not even saying win, where's the honorary nomination? Because I do think that Barbenheimer did something for cin cinema that was so essential. Post-COVID cinemas have not return to normal and Barbenheimer really was such a big event last year and it was more so like it was a work day it was a fucking Friday and London was filled with people in pink like people were getting up and going to the cinema like 10 a.m I was seated for Oppenheimer glass of wine in hand like I was ready and it was just such a good day and you know cinema tickets were sold out for weeks on end which is like so good to see because i really just want the success of cinemas and like want them to be long-standing things and i don't want them to go through the kind of i don't even know what happened but like hmv for example in the uk is a big 
um, CD, DVD, record store vibe. And they went through, I don't even know if you would say they went bust because, I mean, they're back. But for a while, they were closing them all down in the UK. And I guess that's because, well, I'm not even guessing, it obviously is, because of streaming and, like, how many people are just using Spotify to buy records and you can get movies on Netflix, so why would you need the DVD, blah, blah, blah. And that was really sad because I am someone who's very fond of my vinyl collection and HMV, I know that some music lovers will be like, it's a mainstream store. It was an accessible record store for a lot of people. So that closing down was sad. They've just reopened the one on Oxford Street though, which is great. But, you know, that's kind of the trajectory that cinemas were looking at last year. Like post-COVID, people really hadn't been going to cinemas. And I just, I think that like Barbie and Oppenheimer in and of themselves deserved like an award for what they did for cinema. But that of course is just me. And I'm not saying that everyone has to have that opinion, but I do want to say that I made a TikTok video about my shock at Margot Robbie not being nominated for best actress. And loads of people were like, well, who do you think you should have, who, who do you think should have received that nomination? Who do you think you would have given it to instead? Blah, blah, blah. And so many people were adamant that I wouldn't be able to kick people off the list. I absolutely could kick people off the list. I watched Maestro. I loved Maestro. I think Maestro deserved the credit and accolades it received. I don't believe Carrie Mulligan gave an Oscar-worthy performance. Um, so that's who I personally would would take off the list. And I love Carrie Mulligan. I just... I don't think that that performance in and of itself was like, you know, anything I was going to write home about. So I would I would put Margot in there. But I also would like to say I am so, so phenomenally shocked that Greta Lee wasn't nominated for Best Actress. And you guys will know that Past Lives was my favourite film of last year. Like, the best film I watched last year and probably for the rest of my life. And Past Lives was nominated for Best Picture, which... Love, 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 love. But Greta Lee wasn't nominated for Best Actress and that's not really making sense to me. What did what did you love about the film? What what did we love about Past Life so much that we made it best picture or best picture nomination but we didn't we didn't give any of the actors any sort of accolades. We didn't you know, I'm a bit confused about that one. Um but I think Greta Lee also deserved best actress nomination. But I will say this because this is the issue with the internet when you say that you like cheesecake somebody attacks you and says, well, why don't you like waffles? That is not the situation that we are currently in. I can simultaneously be miffed and confused as to why Margot Robbie didn't get the Best Actress nomination, while simultaneously being happy and overjoyed that Lily Gladstone did. Those two don't cancel each other out. I think that Lily Gladstone was meant to win this Oscar. Like, she, if she doesn't win for Best Actress, I'll be very, very, very shocked. And I understand that this year, whoo, the competition is rife. Like, it's definitely an Emma Stone or Lily Gladstone situation. Um, I'm yet to watch Poor Things, but from everything I've heard, Emma Stone gave the performance of a lifetime. So I am aware that it is up to those two to win. Um, but again, it's another thing of like, you can be confused as to why Margot Robbie wasn't nominated and also celebrate Emma Stone. Like they don't take away from each other. People are allowed to have opinions about different things. Like there are so many films that I 
would have loved to have been nominated for Best Picture that weren't. And that's like fine. You can have your feelings about that. You know, I feel like we're kind of in this age now where it actually kind of sucks to have an opinion on anything, which is just not good for the progression of anything. But yeah, the Oscar nominations. <laughs> um, obviously, I want Past Lives to win, but do I think Oppenheimer will win? Yes. And it will be deserved and I will cheer all of the cheers. I think my friends and I are doing another Oscars live stream, which will be fun. We did that last year and watched After Sun lose, which was so sad. Um, but yeah, no, I, on the whole, I'm like very pleased about the Oscar nominations. Emily Blunt. <laughs> Guys, Emily Blunt's Oscar nomination is just you guys know from my fangirl episode of this podcast, if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to it. I exposed my entire teenage years. But you guys know from that episode that I was a very big Emily Blunt fan, had a fan account on Twitter for her. My bio on Twitter for a really long time was Emily Blunt's Oscar campaign leader. So we did it, Joe! We did it! Like, I feel like a proud mother. Like, I am so proud of Emily Blunt. Like, I... Oh, she's just so good. And I have always known that she was going to be an Oscar nominee. And when I watched Oppenheimer, I cried for many reasons. But one being that I just knew that Emily Blunt was going to get that nomination. And I think it's so well deserved. And she is just, ah, my queen. I love Emily Blunt so much. But the Oscars have a history of snubbing women in horror. And... I think that Emily Blunt should have won an Oscar for A Quiet Place. I think she should have at least had a nomination for it. But again, women in horror are consistently snubbed by the Academy. So I'm just, I'm just so happy. And I just feel it. I feel in my bones that she's going to win. And I'm going, you guys don't understand how many like SAG Awards, Critics' Choice Awards, fucking Golden Globes I have stayed up for to watch Emily Blunt lose. Like... This is my moment. Ah, and I'm so excited to see what her speech is going to be because she always has a really good speech and she's just so funny. Sorry, sorry. The fangirl is, is getting out of hand. But um, just all that to say that I am so, so happy that Emily Blunt got that nomination because that's my girly. Like, if anyone deserves it, it's Emily Blunt. So there's that. But Oscars aside, what have I been doing with my life? That's a great question. And it is actually a question that someone asked me on TikTok. And I, I, <laughs> I like had an answer, you know, like I've been switching up my meds. I've been put on a couple of wait lists from the NHS. But the biggest thing is that I am toying with the idea of going back to school. And I say toying because the deadline for applications is actually in five days. Um, so as you can guess, I haven't started on the application. It's also the same day that my tax return is due. So I'm kind of dreading the 31st of January. But let's talk about the whole school thing because ugh. I am recording a video to this as well. So if you are an audio listener, I'm so sorry for this. But I got a Stanley Cup and Gymshark sent it to me. And I'm obsessed with it, guys. I'm so obsessed with Stanley Cups. Like, I was never going to buy one for myself. Realistically, I was never going to buy one because I just bought a Hydro Flask. Um, as in like within the last year and I also got that fuck off massive lululemon water bottle that is like obnoxiously big that everyone has um so you know I didn't really need another water bottle 
but if one is sent to me i'm not gonna say no out just not my tube um yeah i'm not gonna say no so i'm obsessed with the stanley and i've been drinking so much water now anyway talking of going back to school so you guys know i do love myself some phoebe bridges and I've always said that Sidelines is one of her most relatable songs, even though so many people disagree with me and like don't like that song. Um, Sidelines from her is one of my favorite songs ever. Um, I literally have an earring with a seashell on it because it's one of the lyrics in the song. And I think I'm going to get a seashell tattoo. So that's how much that song means to me. Pardon me. But... One of the lines in that song is, I'm not afraid of going back to school. And to me, that's like the most relatable thing Phoebe Bridges has ever said, even though she didn't write that song. Um, that that line is personal because here's the tea. And like, here is the tea at the end of the day. Um, I would have completed my degree if I wasn't so mentally ill. And I have like not really said it in so many ways you know like I have kind of been like oh my god dropped out because I was depressed uh funny crazy girl um but no my thing is like I love education and I love learning and I've always 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 loved learning and I think sixth form really proved that to me because I absolutely hated my secondary school so the experience was tainted in and of itself but when I went to sixth form I loved my school and it was the first time that like I kind of loved school and simultaneously loved learning and I was like oh my god this is so fun and then I went to uni and because you're not held accountable the same way you are in school and like I wasn't with my parents and things like that I just kind of struggled a lot more and so I've been thinking about like if I go back is it even worth it because I'm not cured and I'm not you know like in therapy or like healed as some people would say and so maybe I will drop out all over again but I do want to go back like I do want my degree you know it I don't know it was kind of like I think I felt my entire life that I was being pressured to get my degree and then like I was in terms of my school and academic advisors and things like that like it was like go to uni or fail at life which obviously isn't true but when I dropped out, my parents were so chill. Like, they weren't chill, but, like, compared to what I thought was going to happen, they were chill. And my mom was like, Mary, like, you have done everything I've ever required of you. Like, you have finished school, as in, like, under 18 school. You passed. You got your grades. Like, do whatever you want to do. And... That wasn't really something I was expecting from my African mother, but I think she saw how much being at uni was like slowly killing me. Um, so she was very like, I, I had, obviously I already started doing TikTok at that point. Um, so she was very calm with it probably because I had an income, but even my dad was very much like, well, you have a job, so like do whatever you got to do. And he was the one I was the most scared of telling that I was dropping out because he's very traditional and like wants the absolute best for me but like through a traditional lens and so he probably you know spent his entire life being like well thank god I have a smart kid who wants to be a lawyer 
And then one day I'm like, bye, I'm dropping out, I'm going to be a fucking TikToker. Which is like, fine, but I imagine there was some shock in his life, you know? Um, And once that was kind of over and I had told them that I was deferring my year, which is what I did, um, they would chill with it. And, you know, I got an office job immediately after and it was fine. And I don't actually think I ever let myself sit with that. The fact that my parents were so fine with me not having a degree and as of late I've been sitting with that a bit more and I'm like okay now that that pressure is off the pressure that clearly didn't even fucking exist because my parents were so chill with me not being in uni but now that that pressure's off I still want my degree and I think that's what's important like I still want it for me I'm no longer in school no one's telling me I need it I want it for me and now that I'm 25 I'm like okay the time is only ticking and it's not that I don't want to be a mature student because as soon as I dropped out I knew that if I went back I'd be a mature student like that's not even a fear of mine it's more so that like if I don't do it now I'm still gonna do it it's just gonna be later down the line so why not do it now there are obviously so many things that I need to go about dealing with because I'm still paying back my student loan for my first degree which didn't finish so you know whatever um but it's just been nice to like sit and think about what I actually want. And I guess it was kind of crazy to realize that I did actually want the degree for me. Um, whether or not it's going to be a law degree, we'll see. I don't know if I would go and do those four years of law again. You know, there are so many other ways to get into law that I'm like, I don't know if I do the undergrad route again. But yeah, that's just something I've been thinking about. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I do think I'm having a quarter life crisis. You guys know I'm 25 now and I'm just like, I mean, I've been having a midlife crisis since I was 10. So it's not really like anything's changing, but now that I'm 25, I have a reason to call it a quarter life crisis, which is great. Always fun to slap a label on something, but this shit's serious. Like I'm 25 and I'm like, Am I meant to know what I'm doing? Because I just feel like I am. I am meant to know and I don't. And on the one hand, I'm like, okay, this is fine. I am 25. That's so young. On the other hand, I'm like, you're in your mid-20s, bitch. Pack it up. Let's call it a wrap. Like, you gotta do something with your life. And that's just kind of the debate that's going on in my head every single day. So, yeah, dealing with that. Um, And, like, going back to school and stuff, obviously. But... I think, like, the bigger picture of, like, turning 25 is that also, you guys know, I'm in my childhood bedroom, um, and I love living with my parents because I love not paying rent, and I love them, obviously, and, you know, we have a fine relationship, like, I'm not gonna say we have the best relationship in the world, but I have a, a fine relationship with my parents, you know, like, they are not the bane of my existence, they're great people, they cook me food, life is good, you know, like, I don't, I don't really care about that, it's more so that, um, everyone I know is moving out, and I'm like, <laughs> hello, um, am I also meant to be doing that, and I think with school and moving out and buying houses or whatever, the common denominator in all of that is, like, why people are doing it is different to why I would be doing it, and everyone I know who's moving out is moving out because their parents don't live in London and London's where they're going to get the job. I am from London. Like, why would I need to move out 
in London in any rush if I'm already here, you know, like all of my work meetings are in London. Um, and so I don't really need to like be all over the globe for that. You know, like, I don't need to move for a job, which is like huge privilege. So, so grateful for that. And then like going back to school, you know, I'm like, well, why wouldn't some people go back to school because they're looking for a job? I am fortunate enough to work for myself so I can go back to school. You know, like there are so many different factors that have kind of, I don't know, I'm seeing them clearly for the first time. And it's just making me realize like these timelines and this whole like, I don't know what I'm doing, which like obviously I'm guilty of, I don't know what I'm doing. But like, it's it's just so fine because like there's no fucking plan. Like there's no manual, like everyone has their reasons for doing everything and like those reasons are not applicable to me so why am I trying to follow someone else's guidelines like it just doesn't even make sense so I'm like trying to grapple with that because a big part of it also is you know like our parents generations were moving out and buying houses at my age like my mum was married and had me by the time she was my age and I think I actually put a lot of that pressure on myself to be like oh my god I have to like have a husband and like move out and everything by the time I'm 25 because like my mom had her whole life like done you know like planned had a kid a ring a house by the time she was my age like shit's different also my parents did not live through a pandemic like you know the clock was a on pause for a bit there with the dating thing but yeah just like times have changed circumstances are different and like my life in and of itself is inherently different to everybody else's so like why would I be doing the same things I don't know, just a little eh, argument I've been having with myself recently. But in doing that, I'm kind of like, okay, well, what are the changes that I want to implement in my life? Because I just don't want to be stagnant in who I am. I think that growth is a natural progression of life and like you will change whether or not you're aware of it just because that's what life does to us. But in terms of you know, the clean girl aesthetic and the Pilates girl life and like all these kind of trends that we're sold online. I have found myself finding a lot of comfort in the clean girl aesthetic. And it's not because I think like I like resemble that sort of girl at all, which clearly I don't because it's often a very white girl with blonde hair and blue eyes being like, clean girl aesthetic but more so like the pinterest board vibes of the clean girl aesthetic like i love saving those like minimalist pilates studio pictures to my boards and like you you guys know what i mean by the clean girl aesthetic like i just i fucking love it and like do i think there are bad things to it yeah there's bad things to everything and like i'm not saying clean girl aesthetic like that 22 year old woman who's like always in the kitchen in a gown like not like that at all because i think that there are unrealistic and unfeasible aspects of that and like what you choose to show to the world and it's very tailored like it's not real life you know so like that's not what i mean by the clean girl aesthetic at all i literally am talking about like the pinterest boards like i live by them and they make me feel good they make me feel like that's attainable like i can go to a pilates class you know like i can drink two liters of water a day so i've been fucking with the clean girl aesthetic on pinterest and i just like kind of want to implement it into my life because i think that from it i become a better person like, I think that the clean girl aesthetic to its core is, like, a girl who's waking up early, 
drinking a lot of water, like focusing on her skincare routine, like maybe dressing like a girl boss, whatever you may infer that to be. To me, a girl boss dress code is like the Aritzia office wear section, which isn't even an office wear section, but like, you know, like the Wilfred and Babaton work pants and like that sort of, that sort of vibe. But like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, I want this life for myself because it's just a vision board. So like, that's kind of what I've been doing. Like, I will be going into bed, like, smoking a little J and then <laughs> opening up Pinterest while the Royal Housewives of Beverly Hills is playing. And I'm literally <laughs> manifesting and curating my own life with my own dreams. Um, but I think it comes from when I was in LA, obviously I decided to change my life because LA wasn't the best trip for me. Like it really wasn't like I had a really hard time. I cried every single day. Um, and so when I was there, I was like, okay, we're going to romanticize the fuck out of this trip because like we're in LA for two months. Like what else are you going to do? And I got back into running whilst I was in LA. So as much as I'm like, oh, I had a hard time. Like there was a lot of good that came from the trip to LA, but I got back into running, which was easy to do because it was November and the sun was out and I was running to the beach. So that was nice. Um, but also, you know, like my hotel was like seconds away from Air One. So I was going to Air One all the time and Air One is, Air One is, what is Erwan? Like, Erwan is so strange. Like, I try and explain it to my friends who, like, do not give a shit about the LA lifestyle, the green juice girl life, or, like, the goop life, anything. And they're literally, like, Whole Foods? And I'm like, it, it's not Whole Foods. Like, think of the most extravagant Whole Foods you've ever been to in your life and just times it by a million. Like, Erwan, you walk in and there's, like, gluten-free, dairy-free, paleo, protein, no-carb carrot cake. Like, like the craziest place ever. And it's just like a health nuts dream. And I was going in there every day. Even if I was buying a kombucha, like, you bet I was in the air one every single day. And I, like, decided that I want to be a little healthy girly, even though, like, I'm quite healthy as is. Like, it just, like, I, as someone who has a lot of stomach issues, it does feel really good to just eat things that agree with your stomach. I know, right? Crazy. Um, and so I kind of, like, set myself a goal of completely resetting my diet and my workout routine whilst I was in LA. And I didn't even tell anyone about it. It's literally just a page on my Notion board. Um, this is the first time I'm speaking about it. So, yeah, I literally, like, planned out on my notion board, I was going to drink two liters of water a day. I was going to get my 10,000 steps in, you know, like the traditional cliche, let's get our life together vibes. Um, and I don't know, it kind of worked. Like I feel like my body is like the healthiest it's been in a while, even though my brain is not. Um, and that like air one life is definitely always on my Pinterest board. And so bringing that back to London is kind of difficult purely because we don't have an air one, but redefining it in my own kind of way has been super nice and beneficial for me. So I like it. And like, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to have, you know, these lifestyles that maybe are just the highlight reel because as a human being, you know that not everyone's life looks like that every single day. And I guess that's kind of like the toxicity of it is that 
a lot of the people who show you this side of their life aren't showing you the bad or like aren't willing to talk about the bad and i get that that in and of itself has like bad knock-on effects but i think if you're looking at these pictures and being like oh i kind of wish that my life was a bit like that or like you know i wish i had a setup to my day or like a routine to my day like those are things you can do those are not like unobtainable things the unobtainable things come from that woman i was talking about on tiktok who's making a fucking pp and j from scratch like i'm not doing that but i think the idea of wanting better for yourself is now just manifesting into people being like oh my god look at my pinterest board like this is what i want and i don't think that's a bad thing i think this is a, a human experience of like always wanting something better for yourself um and that's kind of what i've decided i want with my year i mean like 2024 i mean what what even the like you know what i mean like what the fuck like we're in 2024 it feels like yesterday that we were in the middle of a pandemic, I was in the middle of a degree that I was really struggling through, like, you know, I'm just kind of like, how do we even end up here? So, like, why am I stressing out that much? Because, <clears throat> like, I also think that this year should kind of low-key be, like, the year of not giving a shit. Obviously, like, you should care about actual things, important things, but, like, someone invited me out the other day and like a group of people that I haven't spoken to in a while were also going and I was just like I don't really want to go like I don't have to go and pretend to be nice and like smile and pretend that everything's great and that we haven't just kind of lost contact you know um because for me personally that gives me a lot of anxiety like I would rather have that conversation in private than like not know what the situation is and so I've just been like listen I don't have the fucking energy to like deal with this right now so I'm not going to come, but, like, any other time, if it's a bit more intimate and I can, like, hear everyone, we're not, like, in a loud bar or something, then by all means. And I feel like that is the energy I want to take into this year. Like, I simply do not give a shit about wasting my energy on things that I just don't see working out well or, like, benefiting myself or others in the long run. And I think that comes with like prioritizing the kind of life that you want for yourself. Like I'm not going to hang around people that I don't want to hang around because that's just not really the vision. That's not the goal, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've just been, I think it's normal to just wake up every day and try and change your life. But again, it probably isn't. Um, but I also have been thinking about sobriety and I think this is like, I don't want to say that sobriety is in the zeitgeist because what the fuck does that even mean? But like everyone now is kind of talking about sobriety, talking about people who have gone sober or like toying with the idea of being sober. I believe that's called being sober curious. Not sure what the parameters of that definition are, but there are a lot of people I know who have been speaking about sobriety or at least acknowledging the fact that they don't drink as much as they used to. And I think this is really interesting. As a British person, as Gen Z, I think that so much of our socialization comes from drinking culture. And I have been drinking a very long time. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I started drinking the day I turned 18. No, I've been, like, drinking, drinking since I was, like, 13. And... I just kind of got over it by the time I was 18. Like, I was done with drinking. And 
Also, like, drinking that young, not recommending, not telling anyone to do anything, but drinking that young means that you kind of don't know all of the bad things about drinking, and, like, you, you're not really aware of what you're doing. It's just, like, such a normal thing, especially in the UK, to drink that much. Like, it's just so normal. And... Obviously, when I was in the Weatherspoons beer garden chugging two pitchers of Sex on the Beach, like, I was not thinking, like, oh my god, alcohol is, like, not the greatest thing in the world. I was like, let's get crunk! Like, I had plans, I had places to be, you know? No, I didn't have anywhere to be at 13. I was drinking in the beer garden with my parents. But, um, I, yeah, I'd just been drinking for so long that I didn't really think about it. And then by the time I got to 18 I was like done with it and I took a gap year from uni because I was not mentally stable enough to go um so I took a gap year and in that year off I like went to visit all of my friends who were in their first year of uni and then I had all my other friends who were taking gap years in London so that was a big year of drinking as well and so then I turned 19 and I went to uni and then it's freshers week and so like drinking at freshers week was kind of you don't really have a choice. You just don't! Like, it's not, it's not a matter of gun to your head, like, drink, but there is, like, not a single event at Freshers Week that isn't revolving drinking. And by, like, December of first year, I was like, I'm so done. Like, literally, I, I don't want to keep drinking like this, because it's, like, binge drinking. It's, like, excessive drinking, and it's, like, fun and everything, but, like, I'd wake up feeling like shit every single day. I'm also like the type of person who if I go out drinking my day the next day is not changing like I I will proceed with every workout class and everything I have booked for the next day so and like I've always been like that because my parents when I was younger and like drinking before the age of 18 so I was still in school they were very chill about me going out but they were very much like if you take it too far we're still expecting you to go to school tomorrow so like that's up to you what you do, you will be in school tomorrow. And I think because of that, I have always been like, I need to get my shit together. Like if I drink, I need to be able to get up and go out and like get on with my day. And you know, when you're drinking that much, it, you kind of get to a point where it's like not feasible to keep waking up at 9am the day after. And so I just kind of stopped and then I found SoulCycle and then that's kind of where I spent all my time. Like I, I probably didn't drink for like the first year of going to soul cycle like i just like was like um my body is a temple like you know i just was over it and then covid happened and i i just drank a lot i just drank a lot it was a tough time um and then ever since then i'm just like now done with it and like you guys know i went california sober while i was in la and like still to an extent i'm like kind of california sober but i think my issue now comes from the fact that i'm very aware of like I don't want to be an alcoholic. Like, I... People have these... I wouldn't even say they're irrational fears. I feel like they're valid fears. But, like... I say people, I mean myself. I have these, like, tiny fears of, like, random things that sometimes I say them to people and they're like, that's not really something valid to be scared of. And, like, fine. But I've just, like, firsthand seen how alcohol can ruin people's lives and like I've seen that as an adult, that now I'm very scared of becoming an alcoholic because I have a very addictive personality. Um, I thought I just had an obsessive personality and you know, that's where the OCD diagnosis came from. But like, I have a very addictive personality as well. And 
Um, I just don't really wish to keep drinking the way I was when I was 18 as a 25 year old who is like also trying to like kind of save my mental health. Um, and so I think it's like, it's like kind of this weird middle ground that I'm in now of like, I would probably put money on the fact that like within the next five years, I'll probably go completely sober at some point. But also like right now, like I'm fine with alcohol. Like I have a perfectly healthy relationship with alcohol in whatever sense you can have a healthy relationship with alcohol. Um, and like, I only drink if I'm going out, which is like not how I used to drink at all. And like, I'm the first to admit that. Like when I was like 17, I was not drinking in a healthy way whatsoever. Um, and now like I go out and like, fine, I'm having more than whatever the units are you're meant to have. But like, I don't want, like, like, I don't want to drink the next day. It's not like a hair of the dog situation. And so I'm like, okay, I'm very aware of the fact that I have complete control over it. And now I'm just drinking to drink socially. But I'm also seeing so many people go sober and so many people be like, oh, I'm so curious. And I just think it's really interesting because like we are a generation that has really glamorized and glorified drinking culture to, you know, the point where people have made their entire careers on TikTok of being big drinkers and binge drinkers. And I don't really think that should be something that's romanticized in that sense. I think drinking and going out and partying by all means put that on social media. Like I do, like, I'm not saying that's wrong at all. I just think that like, maybe we shouldn't be like, I think the issue comes from people thinking that they have to live to that extent to like have a fun life. And that's not, really the vibe because I feel like that's where issues start coming from because I also know a lot of people who drink and don't like drinking like I love tequila like I love the taste of tequila and so I really don't have a problem with drinking that neat but I know quite a few people who drink and they really don't like the taste of the alcohol they're drinking but they're like yeah but everyone else is drinking and I'm like oh this sucks like this sucks because I also feel that as well like I'm not someone who's opposed to the taste of alcohol but I do also feel that sometimes when I'm like I don't even fucking want this drink. Like, I'm literally just drinking it because everybody else is drinking. And I think collectively we're all kind of reaching a point where we're like, that's kind of a loser move. Like, why are we all just drinking because everyone else is drinking? Like, if you don't want to drink, don't, don't do it. Like, you know? And it's, it's hard. Like, I think for some people who maybe just didn't grow up around alcohol or like grow up in a similar drinking culture, it can be really difficult to understand why you would not just say no, but like drinking culture is so, so big, like so ingrained in so many people's lives. And I think we're slowly like pulling back from that and unraveling and realizing that maybe we shouldn't have put it on this pedestal that we put it on. And I think that's a process. And I think that we are in no position to be mad at anyone who has made that their career or platform or brand or whatever, because we were all doing it as well. I just think as our generation gets a bit older, we realize like, why are we drinking all the time? You know, like there's there's more to it than just that. And I don't know, it's, I said, I don't know a lot about this because it is such a big topic right now.
And I didn't think it ever would be. So like, I'm actually so for the no alcohol movement. And you know, like so many brands now are making alcohol free products. So there's clearly a demand for it. There's clearly a rise in sobriety. Um, and I, I love that because I do think that alcohol is a really bad thing. And again, I am someone who drinks alcohol. I'm not shitting on people who drink alcohol. I just, one, I'm scared of being an alcoholic because I think you do have to reach a point in your life where you realize the things that you're more susceptible to or more prone to. And I, as someone with a very addictive personality, don't wish to add more to my life right now. Um, so you might sit there and be like, Mary, that's such a weird thing for you to be afraid of if you have like no proof that that could happen. Irrational fears aren't rational. Don't know what to tell you. But that has been a big thing on my mind recently because it was Christmas, it was New Year's, drink, 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 blah, blah, blah. And then now the year has like kind of, you know, really started. We're in the middle, well, the end of January. And I just kind of don't, like before I'd be like, oh my God, like what bars am I going to go to this year? Whereas now I'm just like, I don't care. I just don't care. Like crack a, crack a can of white claw open and sit in my bedroom. Like I'll do that. But I don't know. I also think that alcohol is way too expensive. Like £16 for a cocktail. Um, I'll go and buy a tinny from M&S for £2.50. Thank you so much. But anyway, we can stop talking about alcohol now because, I don't know, I'm recording this at 11am and I don't really think there's a need for me to be talking about alcohol at 11am. So let's get into what I'm excited for this year. <coughs> oh my god. Not my body declining in happiness. Um, so this is a big concert year for me. I am seeing the 1975 next month. Oh my god, I'm seeing the 90s. Oh my god. Sorry, just need a moment. Um, <laughs> I am seeing the 1975 next month, which is so fun and so fresh. I'm seeing them on Valentine's Day. And the Japanese house is opening for them as a support act for the UK and I'm so excited because I saw the Japanese house live last summer but I didn't really listen to her music that much like I was like familiar but wasn't like you know in the club popping pussy to the Japanese house but now I'm a big fan so I get my redemption arc I, I love when this happens because one of my least favorite experiences is going to a concert and not knowing who the support act is and then after seeing them perform becoming very fond of them and being like well I didn't get to sing along in the moment and now I know all the words so I get my redemption arc for Miss Amber Bain and then I am seeing the 1975 again six days after Valentine's Day and then I'm seeing them in multiple places in Europe. So we don't need to talk about that because I did go a little crazy when tickets went on sale. Um, then I'm seeing Pink Panthers. I am not really a listener of hers. My best friend Christina absolutely loves Pink Panthers. So me, Christina and Sinclair are going. Sinclair also doesn't listen to her. So like, this is vibey, you know, like it's going to be fine. Um, and I'm seeing Hosier this year, which I cannot believe, okay? Like, I love this man. I love him. I love his music so, so much. And I've never seen him live, which is 
honestly just wrong on so many levels. But I've never seen him live, and I am seeing him live this summer, and then I'm seeing Taylor Swift, and I'm like, is that, maybe that's it. Oh my god, I'm seeing Olivia Rodrigo. I keep forgetting that I'm seeing Olivia Rodrigo, because, oh my god, the way in which I'm seeing her, we'll actually see if I make it to the O2. We'll see if I make it to that damn concert. I am flying home from Austin the day before the concert. I land the morning of. My plan is to get from Heathrow to my bed immediately. Sleep, 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 sleep. Wake up. Time to sing with Olivia Rodrigo. That is that is the plan. Um, we'll see if I make it. <laughs> yeah. Because the week after I'm flying to Germany to see the 1975. So it's going to be a busy, busy time. Um, but I'm excited. I'm like excited to be traveling again because I haven't been anywhere since... I went to the Hamptons for Thanksgiving and I really said to myself like you you literally need to stay in this city like I have to stay in London like I I think I left every single month last year besides July and December and I came home in December so like you know wasn't wasn't staying in my bedroom for much time and I would just like to do that. I would just like to sit with my parents and like be at home and like see my London friends because I know as soon as summer comes, I'm going to be like, oh my God, where should we go? Oh my God, let's get off. Oh my God. Blah, 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 blah. And like time is not promised. So I am just sitting, chilling, loving London. Um, and then I'll be the fuck out of here in March. <laughs> um, but yeah, concerts keeping me going through the year, but TV, guys, oh god, every single time I record, I'm like, don't speak about the Real Housewives, don't speak about the Real Housewives, I have to, I have to, let me just explain this to you so we can all be on the same page, because I know that I speak about the Real Housewives a lot now, and it's just a recent obsession, and like I said, obsessive personality, also you guys know there is never a normal level of fan with me, like it's all or nothing. So I'm just gonna give you this explanation so we can all be on the same page and we can all understand the pain in my heart right now. So I've been obsessed with the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, obviously. Um, and this season really saved it because the previous season was down in the dumps. Um, um, I don't know anything about the views, but I'm assuming they were low, okay? Season three was not a good season for the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. But season four, this is where shit gets exciting, okay? So you don't even need to know anything that happened in the uh, previous three seasons, okay? Season four, in comes Monica. Monica, that's my girl. She's like a poor housewife. And like, the housewives just aren't poor. Like, if you watch all of the series and all of the franchises, like, you go back to when they were like OG housewives. I feel like they've changed a bit over the years. The OG housewives, these people are living in mansions. Mansions. Um, the tax bracket is unfathomable, okay? And Monica is just like a normal girly. Like she's just a normal girly, which makes her a poor housewife. And that was relatable. I was like, that's my girl, eat the rich, eat the rich. I was like, that's my girl, okay? And she just had like a lot about her that was very relatable. She was very open, like loved her. The public were eating that shit up. And then in the final episode, you find out that Miss Monica, the woman we have all grown to love, 
actually runs a troll account for the Real Housewives. This woman has been running a troll account, a hate page for the Real Housewives. And this information gets released in the final episode. And then all of the Housewives franchises have reunion episodes after them. And in the reunion episodes, all the Housewives talk about what's happened in that season. And so obviously this year's reunion for Salt Lake City was all about Monica and the fact that she lied to them and literally had basically been stalking them all for months and like knew everything about their lives. Like I'm making this seem a lot more chill than it is. What she did was batshit crazy. And I, I want to defend her. I can't defend what she did. Like some of the things she did were batshit crazy. However, her running a troll account and then becoming a housewife with the people that she has been trolling and then being first chair at the reunion, which means you've had the most eventful season. Going for, like, I'm sorry, being first chair in your first season for anyone is insane. The woman who infiltrated the scene by being a troll, being first chair is crazy. So anyway, now we've got that all out. Monica, troll account, lied to all of the housewives, became the housewife of the season, and then got exposed. The reunions have been happening. They were not good. They, the reunions were not good. Given the the juice that we were served this season, given all of the gorgeous drama, the, the one-liners, like this season had it all. You would expect the reunion to be fun. Uh, it wasn't. It was quite bland. And it was confirmed that Monica isn't coming back for season five. And I just have to say, a disappointment. A disappointment. I really wanted her to come back because no one can actually give me a valid reason as to why Monica can't come back. You know, apart from the fact that she absolutely bombed the reunion and like, it just wasn't a good reunion at all. And she had so much potential to just be a diva and like make it so good and definitely win her snowflake back for next season she just eh, like it, it just gave nothing and so like that's fine if that's the reason why she's not coming back however if she's not coming back because she was involved in some criminal activity aka stalking um we have a lot of housewives to go through because these housewives have mugshots okay it's not like these women are walking around scot-free of any charges like these people have done some serious crimes. At least Monica isn't in jail. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just mad about that because I'm like, what can they do next season now? Like, if you're not going to bring Monica back, then don't even speak about her. Don't speak about my girl Monica Garcia like that, okay? Like, don't speak about her in season five because that's going to give you a storyline. And if you need Monica to give you a storyline, then just rehire her. Anyway, Salt Lake City, pissed. But, update for everyone. So, first episode of the year, I said that I don't really watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Shit has changed! I'm on season 12, okay? Shit has changed. I'm obsessed with The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, I have been watching this season live whilst I'm simultaneously trying to catch up on the other seasons. So, it's been a bit, like, whiplash kind of vibes. However, Puppygate. If you've watched The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which... Out of all of the Real Housewives, that's the one I assume the most people have watched. Puppygate was crazy to me because I'm a Lisa Vanderpump defender, like, ten toes down, I'm an LVP defender. And 
season 10, or is it season 9? Whenever Poppygate happens, I think it's season 9. In, I can't believe they pushed Lisa Vanderpump off that show. And, like, I'm so late to watching this show that, like, no one even wants to have this conversation with me. So I'm actually forcing you guys to have this conversation with me. Oh, my God. The women of Beverly Hills are crazy. They are crazy. Oh my God. The things they get offended about are just insane to me. But I do have to say that the most insane thing to me is that nobody realized that Lisa Rinna is the issue. Like, Lisa Rinna is the drama. Like, she causes all the problems. And I know that she's not in Beverly Hills anymore, but I'm on season 11, 12, whatever, and she's still here. So she's still like, no way, I'm on season 11. Um, and she's still here. So she's still bopping around. And we're, I think the current episodes are like season 13. So she's still near enough to live airtime that I'm like, mm, she shouldn't have been on the show for that long. Like, just think about that one person in your school who, like, always started the drama but was never involved. Lisa Rinna. Like, literally, what the fuck? But that's my housewives commentary for this episode. We'll leave it at that. That was quite brief, actually. Congratulations to me. Um, I do want to say that February, Feb, 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 not going to say the long word anymore. Feb. Um, big month for Mary Nation. On the 4th of Feb, I will be hosting an event at Jab, which is where I go to boxing in Mayfair. So if you are in London... Please keep an eye on my TikTok and my Instagram stories because I will put that up at some point within the next couple of days. But also, ah, this is fun. Um, yesterday it was confirmed that I will be talking at the BFI Future Film Festival. I believe that's what it's called. I hope I didn't say it wrong. Let me just double check. Um, yes, the BFI Future Film Festival 2024. I will be speaking on a panel, I guess you would call it, and it is called Young Programmers, Parasocial Besties, How to Build a Career as an Indie Content Creator. Now, would I call myself an indie content creator? Probably not, but I take it. I love being flattered. So yeah, if you are again in London, that is on Sunday the, I want to say 18th of February. Yes! Sunday the 18th. Um, at 1.30 p.m. in NFT2, which is a room, uh, a screening room at the BFI. Um, but yeah, I will be talking at that event. If you want to come through, um, please do. Literally, please do, because I don't like public speaking. I try and avoid it at all costs, but I know this will be like such a good opportunity and so fun. So I will be, I will be talking at that. I'm so nervous. But yeah. I guess you can call this a film episode. No, it wasn't really a film episode. But anyway, love you all dearly. And thank you so much for listening.